It Doesn't End Here is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to It Doesn't Hear podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I took some time off to focus on myself and, you know, reconnect with my family and my friends. And I've also been slowly creating season three. I'm excited to announce that I'm going to be releasing it next week. So to get myself back into the swing of things, because honestly, I'm a little rusty. I haven't podcasted for a while. I decided to do a follow-up episode with Laura from season two to see how she's doing since the podcast came out this time last year. I was completely surprised by the direction our conversation went. And honestly, I've had to do a little bit of thinking about if I wanted to air this episode or not. When I made both seasons of the podcast, I never anticipated the possibility of somebody going back to their abuser. And, you know, I'm not sure why I didn't think about that as being a possibility because people go back to their exes all the time. I'm sure a lot of us listening have had at least one breakup in our lives that wasn't a clean break. Maybe you guys still talked or texted. Maybe you still hooked up occasionally. I'd say that this is very common in a lot of breakup situations. Now throw in codependency and trauma bonding, gaslighting, and definitely some emotional abuse, possibly physical abuse. Getting out of that relationship and that situation is going to be much, much harder. I want to thank Laura for being so open and honest with all of us. It takes a lot of courage to come on a podcast and to talk about one of the most painful things that she's ever had to go through. If you were invested in Laura's season, then you're most likely going to experience a range of emotions throughout this episode. If you have not listened to season two of the podcast, I'm going to have you stop here and go back and listen. To start us off, I have amazing new music from my bestie JT. Here we go. You're listening to It Doesn't End Here. Hello, Laura. Welcome back to the podcast. I cannot believe that we have not spoke in almost a year. So I feel like we have so much to catch up on. A lot of people were reaching out saying that they listened to it and they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you went through all that. You know, they were asking questions and when am I going to do an update and all this stuff. So (laughs) everyone's like really waiting. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, so let's get into the updates. So do we have any updates from Mason after he got arrested? So Mason ended up staying in jail from September 21. He got out May 2022. So he spent a good deal of time in jail um, up in K County for his, you know, rendezvous down I-35. <laughs> I was about to say, so was it just for that one instance that, you know, he wasn't on any other charges? No, they ended up giving him like a criminal misdemeanor for it. And the problem is, is that, you know, Oklahoma is a state that's not mental health progressive. They don't help people when they need it. Mm -hmm. But I was looking at the charge while we were talking. His charge ended up being outraging public decency. So it ended up being a criminal misdemeanor. So once he got out in May 2022, do you have any idea like what happened to him after that? I am part of that. Um... The girls who go back. He actually reached out to me at one point. Um, We were talking while he was in jail. Um, I told him, you know, he needs to really get the help he needs. He was, you know, I promise, you know, all the empty promises again um, that he'll change, that he'll get the help he needs. He was on his medication. He was like, you know, I feel better on my medication. But you know, those were all just ended up being empty promises again. It ended up, he got out of jail. I did end up picking him up and taking him. I, um, he wanted to live homeless, so he did not actually live with me. I actually dropped him off downtown Oklahoma City and he lived homeless. You know, wanted to make a life for himself starting from the bottom and that's what I let him do. We talked every now and then. It wasn't like, you know, an everyday thing. It wasn't Hey, how are you doing? Hey, come over. You know, it was, he didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a way around. He literally had to take the bus around the city to get to work and to do what he needed to do to help himself. Um, in my opinion, I don't think he helped himself as much as he should have been. I think he just kind of was living off of, you know, Hey, I have my food stamps. I have my state insurance. And I don't think he was taking his medication because you know, the further it got away from him being in jail to about August, September, he changed. You know, he, I don't think he was taking his medication at all. I think he was just saying he was. So that way that I would come around him. Cause I told him, I said, I don't want to be around you if you're not on it. I don't want to be around you if anything from our past is going to come up, you know, and he was like, I promise I'm taking it. I don't think he was. The way he was acting and the way he was so, all over the place. So August of 2022, he started coming around a little bit more. And then that's when things started changing again. Like it was, I was cooking breakfast one morning and he got all bent out of shape. He came over and just like slapped all the, you know, the cooking utensil out of my hand. But I kind of just like cowered down. I was like, oh my God, it's happening again. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, it just, you know, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I told him, I said, when we get back to the city, you're no longer going to see me. Like, you know, I was crying and he was, you know, he went back to the same old Mason, you know, mocking me for crying, telling me I was a crybaby. You know, I was like, no, like literally I'm scared of you. Like you don't understand what you put me through. 
I came back under these, you know, empty promises that I now know are empty, but I felt like they were legitimate at the time. I never wanted to bring him to my house. I never wanted him to know where I was. But then I moved into a house. He was doing so well. I was like, okay, fine. You can help me move. That's fine. Whatever. This all happened between like December 1 and December 5th of 2022. Once he helped me move in, he wouldn't leave. Like he was like, nope, this is my house too. Like he went and registered at my house, which I did not know. He ended up just like being a permanent fixture in the house. He like would not leave. He was like, I don't want to live on the streets anymore. And I was like, well, you can't live here because I don't want you here. It became just like this huge fight. It was like a daily fight to get him out of my house. I called the cops on him several times because I still have my VPO. It's still active because it's a non-expired VPO. And so I told him, I said, you know, he won't leave. I don't want him here. I didn't ask for him to be here. You know, he helped me move my stuff in and that was it. But now he won't leave. And they said, well, you walked through your VPO. I contacted an attorney through my work. They said that was inaccurate information. I cannot walk through my own VPO. I can't violate it or anything like that. I got really scared. He was screaming and yelling and he, I tried to call the cops and he came over once again, grabbed the phone out of my hand. I tried to call from my watch and ended up, he ended up grabbing my watch, my Apple watch band and ripping it off my wrist. And when he did, he created scratches on my wrist, um, which I have scars from now. He was like, you're not calling the cops. I'm like, I need you out of my house. Like, I want you out. I cannot have you here. This is not something I wanted. You're moving in with me not wanting you here. I said, I don't understand how you think it's okay for you to just move in here. You know, I like I was mind blown. But anyways, I ended up saying that he was like trying to mooch off of me. And he was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a person who wants all this free stuff. Okay. First off, he gets all this free stuff from the state. Your whole season was about how... <laughs> You bought him a car and he ruined it yes. and you bought him food yes. and you bought, I mean. Yeah. I was like, no, you are a true definition of a mooch. Well, that pissed him off and he ended up storming up to me and like grabbed me and threw me on the ground. I ended up landing in like a dog bed, which was, you know, a saving grace because it was hardwood floors. Um, I ended up hitting my head on a chair I was just laying there crying because I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is it. Like, he's literally going to start doing the exact same thing again. He didn't understand why I was crying. I'm like, you literally just threw me on the ground. I hit my head on a chair. Like, I am terrified right now. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going to hurt you. You know, he backed off and he was like, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. So that was one instance. The second instance that happened was like a day later. You know, he got really mad again. Um, over the same crap, you know, he still had the same stuff in his head about me cheating on him. I was like, I don't know how I can cheat on you. We're not even together. You know, he's, you know, all this jealousy came out of him once again. I tried to call the cops again. He took my phone away and he said, you're not calling the cops. And that's one thing that like people don't understand is like when, when you're trying to call and trying to get help, I mean, they literally will do everything in their power for you not to get them in trouble. They will not 
they'll take your phone away. They'll take your keys away. You know, he'll rip my watch band, which ended up breaking my watch band. You know, there's all these things that end up happening and people are like, why don't you just leave? You become their hostage in a sense, you know? So anyways, once he threw me on the bed and he got, he got on top of me, I actually wiggled my way or I wiggled my legs up and I shoved my, I put my feet on his like chest, stomach area and shoved him off the bed. He came over to the garage door and he like blocked me coming out. He was saying how he wasn't going to let me leave. You know, I was kind of still out. Like I was mad that he even put me on the bed, like the way he did. And I had to shove him off of me. And I was mad at the night before with him throwing me on the ground and me hitting my head. And this whole time he had like no remorse for any of it. And I was just so mad. I was mad at myself. I was mad at him. I was just, you know, mad at everything at this point. I was mad at myself because I couldn't believe I let him come back in my life. I was mad at myself for even getting to this point again. There were so many emotions going through me. Um, I actually ended up grabbing a knife off the counter. (laughs) And I took the guard off of it and I was like pointing the knife at him. I was like, you need to let me leave. It's either going to be you or me, boy. Like I'm to the point where I don't care anymore. And he was like, oh, what are you going to stab me? And I was like, if I have to, I will. Like, I want you out of my life that bad. And I said, you're standing in front of the way out, which is the garage door. And I said, you're making me feel like a hostage in my own home. Like, I feel like I can't go anywhere. I feel like I can't do anything. I can't hang out with my family. I can't hang out with my friends. I can't even get a text message or a phone call from like my boss without him just like wigging out. There were so, I can't even explain all the emotions going in my, you know, going through my body and through my head. He ended up grabbing the knife from me and putting it down in the sink. And then he let me leave. It was just kind of like a eye-opening experience to him, I guess. I don't know. I guess he was like, she really means what she's saying, <laughs> I guess, because I had a knife in my hand. I don't know. <laughs> but it was... Oh, my God. Is that the last time you saw him? Yeah. Like, when was the last time you saw that him? was the last time I saw him. The next... um, That night after, you know, I told my friend Ashley what had happened, and she goes, you're not going back to your house. So I left my dogs there. He was there. And I ended up calling the cops and finally I got a cop that knew that I could not walk through my own VPO, that I couldn't violate it. Three of them met me and my friend Ashley in a parking lot and I told them, you know, he's inside the house. I can't get it. I don't want to go in there. They were like, we can do a civil standby, which means like, The cops go in with you. They don't do anything. They're just there for my protection, basically, if I need to get clothes and all that stuff. So we did that. He was, you know, Laura, I'm sorry. This isn't, you know, empty promises again. I'm, this is not me. This is not me. Please don't leave. You know, my friend Ashley was sitting there like, don't listen to him. Keep packing, you know, keep going. We're, you know, just get the essentials. So the cop told me because he's been living there and he was registered there, that I had to do, and I had to go to the court and file an exit order, which I had to file another VPO on top of the exit order. I talked to an attorney while I was filing it, so the exit order and the VPO went into place. He was forced out of the home by cops. 
so I have cameras all over my house. I have a front door camera, a backyard camera, and then two cameras in my house. That way I, I can see everything that's going on. I actually have video of them forcing him out of the house. He did not want to leave. They made him pack up whatever he had and they made him leave. And they said, you know, you're not welcome here. You're not welcome to come back. You can no longer register here. So that was on the, the night of the 6th. Three days later on the 9th, I get a camera notification on my front door. He was at my front door putting something on my front porch, which ended up being a letter, you know, pleading his innocence and he's sorry and blah, 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 blah. So I called and made a police report that that was a violation of my VPO and the exit order that he was on the property. He was calling me from, you know, random numbers. I don't know what numbers they were, if they were like his friends he found on the street or whoever they were. But I kept blocking all of them, not answering them. The night of December 20th, so right before Christmas, I went to Walmart. And so this is kind of pertinent information for the story to come. But I, so I went to Walmart after work and I bought tampons. (laughs) It was going to be freezing cold. So I bought those things to cover the outside faucets on the house. I bought two of those and I kept the receipt because I was like, you know, I don't, for some, I never keep receipts, but for some reason, I kept that receipt. After that, I went to about 5.30 or so. I went and picked up my friend Ashley, and I took the dogs with me. We went walking for like an hour, hour and a half. I don't know. I didn't take my phone. You know, we were just walking and talking about everything that was going on, you know, to make sure that I was not going back to him. And I was like, no, I haven't gone back to him. He's out of my house. He's out of my life. I want nothing to do with him. And, you know, and they've been... supportive. I mean, probably even more than 100%. I would say like 1000% because they're, they have been literally my rock through this whole, this whole last few months. After we got done walking, me and Ashley drove home. Ashley and I live about five minutes apart from each other. So I drove her back home. I got into her apartment complex and I realized I had like all these notifications on my phone and I watched the video Um, or no, it was a screenshot, actually, excuse me, it was a screenshot of him inside my house. He had broke into my house through a window. I don't know what he was thinking or what he was doing, but I went back on my front door camera. I have three different videos of him trying to like shoulder shove my front door. Um, There's also a window on the front porch. He tried to open the front, the window in the front porch. Um, And then you can see him like walking to the garage, walking around the side of the house. Um, He ended up finding a window that was open, so he did not break anything. I completely freaked out when I saw that screenshot of him inside my house because I knew he was not allowed in my house because I have the exit order. Um, And I totally freaked out. I you know, I called Ashley back. She had already gone up to her apartment. I called her and I said, he's in my house. Like I was freaking out. (laughs) I was crying. And, um, she was like, okay, don't go home. We need to call the cops. Don't, you know, you're not, do not go home. So we sat in her apartment complex in my car. I have an alarm, but the alarm did not set off because he went through a window. So I don't have window sensors. I do now, but I did not then. (laughs) 
so I had actually, when I saw him in my house, um, it took like a still screenshot of him and that's what I saw. And so Ashley was like, set off your alarm. And so I, on my app, on my phone, I can set off the alarm from my phone. So I did that. They called and I said, no, he's in my house. I have a VPO against him. He had an exit order. He is not allowed around me. He's not allowed in my house. He's not allowed on the property. Then the cops were called because the alarm was going off and he couldn't turn it off, obviously. When the cops got there, he was saying that he had been there all day. He was just lounging around. He had went to Walmart. He came back. And now the alarm was going off and he didn't know the code. With my doorbell camera, I actually have a speaker. And so I told, I was listening to their conversation, or Ashley and I were, and I like hit the speaker and I was like, no, he is lying. There is an exit order in place. He is not allowed to be on my house as of like the 5th or 6th of December. He broke in my house. That is a lie. He has not been there all day. And I told him, I said, that Walmart receipt is mine. Like, <laughs> you know, it's that he is lying. And so they ended up putting him in the back of the cop car and they said, you know, can, are you here? And I said, no, I'm not coming home. Cause he's there. He said, well, he's in handcuffs. He's in the cop car. So can you come home? And I was like, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. You know, he was like screaming so loud in that cop car. It was outrageous. And there was, I think three or four cops. They had another, um, they ended up, you know, walking through the house with me, making sure nothing was taken or nothing was disturbed. And I showed the, so they said that he went to Walmart and they showed me the receipt. And I said, well, did you even ask him what was on the receipt? And they said, oh no. I said, well, here, read what's on the receipt. <laughs> he was like, tampons. I said, yeah, he was not buying tampons. <laughs> And the cop, the cop was like, oh, we should have asked him, I guess. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, and so we went through um, the whole thing to see what he, had, you know, we went through the whole house to see if he had taken anything. He had a um, laundry basket of like blankets and pillows he was going to take. I don't know where he was going to take them or Probably just how he was homeless so he wanted to yeah and it's cold it's december in oklahoma oh my god girl. and then um he also had one of my boudoir photos that i had he was going to take that like it's a no. 11 by 14 canvas where are you going to take that being homeless it's going to rain <laughs> gonna and it's going to get ruined i know and then he had like a backpack so i guess he had a backpack full of stuff well when they searched him he had three knives on him um, so him being in my house for, it ended up being an hour and a half that he was in my house. Um, they think he was waiting for me to come home. And so they were really glad that I was not home when he got there. I had a screenshot of him in my house and I did not come home because they were like, it could have been really, really bad. Do you think he would have hurt it, like hurt you that night? Or what do you think he was going to do? I, I don't know. Everyone is really convinced he was had something in mind having three knives on him. Yeah, that's weird. Also, in my mind, he's homeless. So maybe he was using them for protection. But that's also my like, heart going out to him. <laughs> so I don't I don't even know what to ask. I didn't expect this for sure. I definitely didn't expect this. There's going to be so many women listening to this that have gone back before. So on in one instance, like I'm glad you can give them some insight about 
going back to them after all the craziness because clearly he didn't change. He's the exact same. He's yeah, he ended up being the exact same. He said all the right things to convince me. And I mean, it wasn't merely convincing. It was more manipulating me. I've talked to my friends. I've talked to therapists. I've talked to other people about this. And they said, even the cops have said, you know, this type of person, they are all made from the same type of fabric. They're all made from the same type of cloth, like on an assembly line. Every single one of them are good, smooth talkers. They're good at manipulating. They are good in giving you exact and telling you and giving you exactly what you want to hear. They all vary in shape, sizes, colors, whatever, but the things they say and the things they do and the things that they go back to are normal to them. And that's either how they grew up or how they've just adapted in their lives. Um, a lot of them come from trauma based experiences from the past life. You know, obviously he has from our last season. I mean, he is very good at talking, very good at manipulating, and I have a very soft heart for him. I'm not hardened to him, even though I went through every single thing with him. You know, I I truly loved him. I want the best for him. Even now, I still want 100% the best for him. I want him to change. I want him to be better. But there came a point where he just said all the right things and all the stars aligned and I gave in. I 100% regret giving back in. I 100% regret every conversation I ever had with him while he was in jail and when and afterwards. I um I almost started shaming myself because of it and I felt um a lot of shame, a lot of regret. It was hard for me. I after everything that happened again, it just, it all hit me again. And I just, I can't even explain what I'm going through right now, but I'm, <laughs> tears are definitely running down my cheeks because I know it, it's a hard topic and it's hard that I even, it's hard having to sit here and say, I went back. I'm to the point, it's like, I hate that I went back. I have so many regrets. I'm past the point of hating myself. <laughs> um, after that night of him breaking in, you know, I talked to my friends. I said, to get me away from him, I either have to like move out of state, change my entire being, phone, email, address. I mean, I feel like I have to do all the changing and he doesn't have to do anything. I know. And I know that's not, that doesn't, that's not fair, <laughs> but that's just the way it it's is. Not. The way it is for every mm -hmm. single woman that uh, has ever had to go through something like this is because we yeah. are the ones having to run away. Yes, we are the ones having to run away. We are the ones having to hide and change and protect when, you know, men are, men were made to be our protectors. They're, you know, they're meant to protect the woman that they love, but it ends up being the opposite. They end up loving us in a way that they see fit, which ends up harming us as well. It's confusing and unless you've been through it and know it, you know what I mean? But at one point I did end up talking to my friends. I have um, one of my friends who, you know, she ended up asking the right questions. She goes, you know, how are you feeling about yourself? And I said, you know, I completely hate myself. I have so much regret in my, in my whole body, my mind, my being, my soul. I said, 
I don't want to move. I don't want to change all my stuff. I don't want to have to change who I am because of him. And I said, but I have to get away from him. And I've, and I actually told her, I said, I, I've thought about ending my life just to get away from him. You know, and she stopped me right there. She was like that. She goes, if I need to put you in like a mental hospital or a psychiatric ward to get that thought out of your mind, I will. And I said, if that's something you feel like you need to do for me, then do it. Cause I'm, I am literally at my, my, my end. Like I'm rock bottom. <laughs> I'm so sorry that you've had to go through all of this, like all over again. And you've had to deal with all yeah. of these feelings. Honestly, it sounds like this time around was even worse for you emotionally and mentally, because this time you had all the other things, all the feelings, the abuse that were going on with your season. But then it sounds like you also had the guilt and anger and sadness and regret, you know, that kind of comes with going back to a toxic relationship and having it not work out. You know, I'm fine with it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with it now. We're in March. I feel like I've almost had to do like double the work I did last time to get myself back to where I need to be. If you could give advice to all the women listening to this and men, anyone listening, talking about going back to their toxic, abusive ex, whether they're just a toxic person, a narcissist, whatever label you want to put on them, whether they're not good <laughs> for you emotionally, right? What would you say? Uh, don't go back. <laughs> they will never change. I talked to so many cops this last time. I mean, the first time I only talked to one cop, I think. Um, and the rest of the time it was talking to a lieutenant who never wanted to keep my VPO case open. So that lieutenant is actually no longer in office in the state of Oklahoma. Thank goodness. But with the burglary charge and the VPO charged against him, it stuck this time. And he is in jail since December 20th. After talking to so many cops and so many detectives and so many of my friends and my therapists, it's, they will never change. They are going to do this to you until they either harm you so severely that you can't either live, they'll kill you. There has been so many females and males just get hurt in so many ways, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, that by going back, you're just reopening those old wounds. It's never going to get easier. It's only going to get harder. And the abuse that they're going to give you, the trauma that they're going to give you is just going to keep going worse and worse and worse. It's, it's never going to be the same as it was. You know, their tactics, you know, what they're, what they say to you and they will, and they know what they can say to you to, to manipulate you. You just really have to look at them as a person who gave you all that abuse and all that trauma and see them for who they truly are, which is that abuser. And once you look at them in that light, you'll never see them the same. Those type of people are not capable of loving, forgiving, remorseful, or having empathy. They are... Um, Literally, like, you know, when you watch a documentary on a serial killer and they all say the same thing about every serial killer, that's the same thing about all these abusers. It's they're literally the same person. And that's, you know, one thing that the, one of the cops told me is that they're cut from the same cloth. They're like from an assembly line of abusers, narcissists. You know, there's 
all different types of narcissists, you know, have any of them probably been, um, diagnosed? No. Can we diagnose them because we've all done our research? Yes. (laughs) But until, until they've actually got that diagnosis from a medical professional, you know, it's just all hearsay from what we've learned on probably the internet. (laughs) Yep. Podcasts. Podcasts, documentaries, all that stuff. You've had two years of a lot of abuse, a lot of emotional turmoil. Mm -hmm. What is next? Like, how do you feel about going forward? So he's been in jail. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about that for a second. Um, He's been in jail. He has called me 20 times and sent me seven letters. So I filed police reports on those as well. Um, So they actually filed an additional stalking charge. He has called that many times and sent me that many letters. Um, His letters have no rhyme or reason to them. They're just literally pages and pages of rambling is that like his psychosis because wasn't he he's schizophrenic as well yeah he is bipolar schizophrenic um he the letters you know and in one of them it says p.s i'll protect you in court he's confused and that makes me like it makes me hurt for him you know like it doesn't give him a pass by any means on all the things that have happened but This is probably why you were so compassionate towards him. He needs the mental help. Mm -hmm. He needs it and he's not getting it from the state. And I told the detectives that, you know, I told him, I said, you know, your, your department of corrections doesn't actually correct any behavior. I said, one, the individual in DOC needs to want to be corrected. First off, I said, I hundred percent understand that. I said, but the ones who need it but aren't understanding they need it are the ones who go by the wayside and who end up being him. And there's, I'm sure, hundreds of others that are in sitting in jail or in prison somewhere with the same type of uh, mental illness, and they're not getting the help they need. You know, there's got to be some type of part of, like, the intake process where they go through you know, mental evaluations. Are they mentally stable to stay in this environment? He is not. I can tell you that. (laughs) Um, He's not fit to be in society. First off, he's too institutionalized by being in prison for so long. And then second, he does not have the mental capacity to be sitting in a jail cell for 23 hours a day. He doesn't have it. It, you know, it wears on him. It It actually causes more harm to his mental illness that he has than doing any good for him. I mean, it keeps him off the streets and it keeps him away from all the females that he could destroy right now, yeah. which I am thankful he's in jail and not and not around anybody else. He will be in jail for quite a long time and he's not getting out. He has a $25,000 bond right now. No one's paying it. You know, they have to pay at least 10% to get him out to bond out. But the only thing is, is if someone co-signs for him because he can't sign for his own bond because he's a prisoner, someone has to sign for that bond for him. But if he skips out and does not show up to court, then a bench warrant gets put on him and then you're out the entire money. That money goes under your name that you have to pay the full $25,000. His family is not one that's going to put up that kind of money for him. No one, I mean, not one person has, no one has yet. Well, this is, um, he continues to go back to jail. I mean, this is what, how many times has he been in jail total? Like at least 10. 
uh, at least. So yeah. that's probably why. I mean, if this was like the first time, I mean, he's been in and out since he was nineteen. He's about to be thirty-four. Yeah. So. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, my heart does go out to Mason, and you know, I hope he gets the help that he needs. And Same. my heart goes out to you. I love you. I'm sorry <laughs> that you've had to go through so much shit. I feel like I need to do a three every three months. Now we're gonna have to do a catch up. It, every all the <laughs> listeners are gonna be like, "What the hell, Laura? Now what? Now what?" I know, I know. Laura, Laura, Laura. Golly, <laughs> you know they say that you know the abuser they're the ones being abused. They go back an average of seven times. I've been with him now twice, gone back once, and I'm like, I am not going to be that statistic. I am not going to be that seventh average time. And that's so true. It doesn't matter the abuse and like the levels of abuse. It mm-hmm. still remains the same that it takes a woman a woman, about seven times to make up her mind that mm-hmm. I'm gone for her to ultimately mm-hmm. have it stick. In the meantime, I mean, a lot of bad things can happen. And so... The sooner you can get out, the better your life will be. You know? And I do feel like every single time you go back, new trauma is inflicted upon you. And that just builds on oh, the trauma sure. that was there before. So it's like stacking blocks up of trauma every single time you go back. Not only does that hurt you, but it increases your trauma bond. And it makes exactly. it harder for you to leave. So every time you go back, yeah. it gets harder. Because that's what you just said. You yes. said that the second time was harder than the first one, even though mm-hmm. so much more physical pain had been inflicted on you the first time around. Yeah. He never actually physically hit me this time around, thankfully. He's definitely in a different place, whatever that place may be. But yeah, I mean, maybe he's older and wiser now. I don't know. Well, probably not. <laughs> Let's not I give know. him that. Let's not give him that. Okay. <laughs> it's too far. Too far. Um <laughs> But Mason and I do have a court date. Um, April 11th, we have court. He pleaded no, not guilty, so I have to go testify, um, which is just another tactic of his manipulation to try and get me to see him, and maybe I won't press charges in court is kind of what we're, um, me and my detective have come up with. So it's just another manipulation tactic. What do you feel about pressing charges against him? Um, I am pressing all the charges I can against him. He's got burglary in the second degree because I was not home. If I was home, it would be burglary one. And then he's got the VPO violation. And then he also has um, the additional stalking charges for calling me from the jail and um, sending me seven letters. I will give everyone an update on Instagram whenever that happens. So please let me know. But Oh my goodness. I really am. I feel like I'm going to put a reminder in my phone right now and we're going to have another catch up in just a couple months (laughs) so we can just let everyone know what you're doing. Cause now I feel like I need to keep up with you more. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know about any year. (laughs) I, you know, I try and keep it very hush hush. Another good thing is I actually told my family about it. Um, You know, last time I told my family, it was kind of a a negative outcome and not really supportive, but I actually told my family about what's been going on. It was like a 180 degree difference of their response, but I've had a lot more support from them, which has been, which has been a lot more helpful. I have a lot more people supporting me this time and um, a lot more people that are saying, no, you are not going to talk to him. No, we are not going to talk to his family. I have uh, more accountability this time 
And so, or accountability partners, I guess you would say, or call them. I think that's what I was missing last time. And I think that's another reason why I went back is because I did not have that support. I didn't have that accountability. And left to my own demise, I went the wrong way. So (laughs) having people in your life to help you and, and keep you accountable is probably the best way to go. Once again, I want to say thank you to Laura for being so open and vulnerable with all of us. It means a lot, and I really hope that her story reaches anyone who is contemplating going back to an abusive relationship. Please check the show notes for available resources to help you or someone you know out of a toxic relationship. Six months of broken Six more of working on myself. Six months of broken hearted. Six more of working on myself. Holding on ties to falling down, but I know I can pick myself up because I'm stronger now than I ever have been before. So thank you to the one who let me.